Hello and welcome. You're listening to Big Crone Energy. I'm your host, Karina Blackheart, the crone herself. Welcome to Big Crone Energy Podcast. This is Karina Blackheart, the crone herself. I'm your host today, and I'm here with Margie Hoffman of Alta Kunste, which is a yarn business in Germany. Margit hand dyes with plant and natural dyes, a beautiful natural fiber yarn. And so, hello, Margit. It's good to have you on the line. Hello, Karina. It's wonderful to to talk to you. I'm very excited to be here today. I'm excited, too. Margaret and I worked together as mentor and client, student, teacher um, for some years. And, um, yeah, I'm just excited to have her here to help maybe help you understand what it might be like working with me, but also to talk about Margaret's business. And I want to just spend some time before we get to Margaret to tell you again, the crone herself is me. (laughs) And the crone herself is also you uh, if you identify as a crone. But what we're really doing in the crone herself is introducing you to what I'm calling big crone energy. Right, And big crown energy is our life force that is clearly, honestly, authentically expressed through us. So another way to talk about big crown energy is just to say, you know, it's energy, it's life force, it's mana, it's prana, it's chi, it's orenda, it's ashe, right? These are words from around the world that talk about life force and that is an energy that is in everything in all living things even in inanimate things have life force because they hold maybe they hold our memory or maybe they hold some emotional attachment for us so objects can even have life force so we need life force big crone energy right to get things done in our life and to move ourselves forward. If we don't have enough life force, we can become ill, we can feel exhausted all the time, we can be over overly attached to mm, negative emotional states, uh, we can fall into what I call spiraling thought patterns, right, that keep us stuck. Big crone energy helps us to get unstuck from where we are. It helps us to see clearly where we want to be and to give us the energy to move through our daily round, our relationships, our responsibilities, and our joy with enough energy, right, for that to be joyful. 
Big Crone energy helps us to um, make decisions that are both practical and joyful. It helps us to express our personalities in a way that is healthy and creates more joy, more sense of calm, because we're, we're, we're living and expressing ourselves from the core of who we are. That's basically what I have to say to you about Big Crone Energy today. But if you want to learn more about it, you should definitely read my blog. You should read on my website. You should listen, listen to all the podcasts before this because I really go into Big Crone Energy uh, intensely in the very first podcast of Big Crone Energy. I also want to mention that if you're confused about this or any of my writings or the rituals, the conspiracy, dark moon rituals, you can always set up a call with me. I offer calls called Coffee Dates with the Crone Herself. Those are 15, 45, or 90-minute long calls, right? So we can meet for a quick coffee, um, get you some clarity. We can have a little bit of a longer date, and I could answer questions, get you some clarity, and introduce you to how to access more Big Crone energy in your life. 90-minute calls are a little maybe coffee with lunch, right? <laughs> and this is a way for us to go deeper into your current issue that you'd like to consult with the crone herself about. These are fun, quick, one-off, low-commitment ways to work with me. And the other thing I want to talk to you about before we get to Margaret, sorry, Margaret, is the Conspiracy of Crones, which, which is a membership on the crone herself joining other people to have access to me on a somewhat regular basis. Actually, I want to just clarify, like, I don't work on a capitalist kill-yourself schedule. If you're looking for oracle readings, I do them for the group, but I do them when I am inspired and have the energy and am told uh, that it's time to talk to the group in that way. Same thing with energetic transmissions from the, the great ancestral archetypal crones. If you're a member of the conspiracy, you also have free access to monthly circle chats with me. That will be beginning in August. And starting this month, you have free access to monthly dark moon rituals of release. You don't have to be a member of the conspiracy to access those rituals of release. But here's a little secret. It's less expensive to join the conspiracy than it is to register for those dark moon rituals on a monthly basis. So in dark moon rituals of release, I'm really working with the waning energy of the lunar cycle. We do an awful lot of manifestation work. We're always manifesting, 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 trying, trying, gathering, gathering, using a lot of waxing and full moon energy, right? New to waxing to full moon 
when that moon cycle is in its increase. And then we sort of drop the magic, right? But after the full moon all the way to the dark moon when the lunar cycle is waning, that's a time for release. So waxing is increase, waning is decrease. And I know we don't like to let anything go, but it's absolutely necessary to release what's in the way of our manifestation working. A snake sheds its skin. The trees shed their leaves once a year. And if we're always trying to bring more on board without letting anything go, it's kind of like if I buy new furniture for my living room, but I don't get rid of the old stuff. Right, So I've got old furniture and new furniture in my living room. It's crowded. I don't know where to sit. We have to get rid of the old stuff, right? Give it away, sell it, so that we can enjoy the beautiful new furniture that we bought. And this is really my approach to rituals of release. What's in the way? Is it an emotional state? Is it a negative belief? Is it uh, an old pattern? Is it spiraling thoughts? Maybe you're holding on to resentment or anger. Maybe it's time to release some of the grief in your heart. Whatever you're bringing to let go of is okay. And we're there to support you through this ritual. So if you want to find out more about that, please go to my website and read about what happens in the Dark Moon Rituals of Release. These will be happening monthly. So I think that that's all of the commercial broadcasting that I want to do um, for right now. But if you're listening to Big Crone Energy Podcast, it's because you're interested in what's happening with the crone herself and Big Crone Energy. Sometimes those emails come and they we don't always open them, right? Sometimes you don't always find me when I'm posting on social media. And so this is a way for me to clarify and remind you what's actually being offered there. And I'm so pleased and proud and grateful uh, to be able to offer these services to you. So, Margaret. (laughs) Margaret, sorry, that was a lot of fast talking. Mm-hmm. I, I love hearing about your program. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And you know, I signed up right away when you posted it the first time earlier this year. <laughs> In the conspiracy. Yes, you were my first conspiracist. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's been a little slow growth, right? Because I'm trying to launch all of these things simultaneously. But it is it is beginning to come together. Uh, in a way that I think is going to be really exciting for everyone who joins. You know, I guess I want to ask you, why would you, why would you sign up right away when you saw that I was offering that? Because I have experience with your programs before, and I know that when you started that, that it's going to be something really interesting and awesome. And also, I loved the idea of the crone herself, as I'm aging myself and I've been struggling with perimenopausal issues over the last probably six years or so I thought that is fabulous this really needs to have a place where women of all 
kind can share their experiences and uplift each other. I love that. Yeah, it's so needed. It's so needed, which is why I created it, right? Is I, I thought, you know, how how is it that in 2023, we, I'm still hearing women talking about, I, I don't know what's happening to me, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know how to move through this. I don't know where to find the information. I don't trust what my doctor is telling me. I don't understand all of these physical emotional and psychic changes that are happening and it's really interesting because on the one hand it's the it's the bookend to our adolescent years when we were first starting menstruation and our hormones were changing and we didn't know what was happening to us then either but at least people were trying to tell us hopefully about what was happening to our bodies our minds and our spirits and it's, it's really interesting because as the crone herself I am absolutely hopefully I'm being absolutely clear that this is a trans inclusive space right and I think it's so important for trans women um, to be with women who have been through all of this process in our lives I can remember the changes that were happening in my body as my hormones came on board right for all of those years of menstruation and I think you know women who are starting or in the midst of um, hormone therapy right to transition uh, hormonally I think it's super important to have women who have been through it without hormone therapy but the natural hormones that arise in our our physical bodies I think it's so important to have a space where those women are supported in their transition because it, it's just as big I know so many trans women who are like uh, I feel like I'm a 14 year old girl right like and, and I don't know what to do with this I don't know what to do with these hormones I don't know what to do with this emotional shift I don't know what to do with this psychic shift and having people who have been there in a different way is so supportive and lovely uh, so I just I always want to remind people that this is a trans inclusive space because so many feminists who are my age and older although they were really radical beautiful thinkers and spiritual people within uh, you know 30 years ago they didn't keep evolving and they become trans exclusive radical feminists and that is not this space yeah that's my soapbox <laughs> but the conspiracy is a place for all women I, I would say excluding turfs to come and support one another move toward our own sovereignty and figure out how to be sovereign in solidarity with a collective of other women solidarity is uh, necessary in in these times and so we we shift sort of like there's a movement for solidarity and there's a movement for sovereignty and I think that they need to be joined so 
Margaret, when we were working together, there was a, a moment when you, well, it wasn't a moment, but <laughs> it was longer than a moment, but there was a time when you knew that you could no longer stay in your corporate finance position and you needed to do something else. Can you talk about that time of leaving that big job where you had to wear a suit to what you're doing now? Like, how did that happen for you? When you said there was this moment, it was, <laughs> it was a very, very long moment mm -hmm. for me where I was aware that the job I'm working in was not making me happy. And it mm -hmm. wasn't just a job. It was like my whole life was not the life I wanted. It was not the life I enjoyed. But there was certainly, I was not clear in the beginning how the life I would enjoy and the, the life I would love would look like. All I knew was that the situation I was in was not making me happy. And it was mm -hmm. not only not making me happy, thinking back now, it was eating my soul. It was mm. horrible. I was really, really miserable. But also, I earned a lot of money. So there was financial security. This dilemma between thinking, I have all that money, I can buy whatever I like at the moment. Of course, there's always stuff you couldn't buy, but there was no need or worry about where would money come from. Right. And at the same time, I was so deeply unhappy. What a juxtaposition, right? To be in a state of like my physical needs and wants are met and my soul is starving. Yeah. Mm. And, th and now, 12 years later, Thinking back at that time, I was like, wow, how could I stand that at all? And I, as I said just um, a few minutes ago, I didn't know how the life should look like that would make me happy. And that is what you, the training and the mentorship with you helped me to focus on. Because you gave me a space where I could develop my own ideas of what, how my future life would look like, how a life would look like that would feed my soul and not eat my soul. And I didn't feel pressured and I didn't feel, yeah, I didn't feel pressured into any direction. It was just what I could decide for myself. And that may not sound like a big deal for other people, but it was a huge deal for me. Because there was a lot of outside pressure of having that job, of mm -hmm. keeping the job, of keeping the, the outside facade mm -hmm. that comes with all of that. Yeah, I remember asking you to just imagine, just let yourself dream, <laughs> you know, and to really stay present with how do you want to feel? How will, how will your body feel? 
what thoughts will be in your mind um, and to just let yourself be slow and dream and imagine what what it could be like for you. There was a progression going on. I remember one point where I was thinking like, okay, I have an idea of things I would like to do that make me happy. And then I was trying to implement a plan how to get there. And I remember thinking, I need to cover, oh my God, I, 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 I thought back then I need to cover 12 years. <laughs> and I'm laughing right now because at this point in time, we're actually 12 years beyond that point way back. So I'm mm. today at the point where I thought it would take me 12 years to make the change. And to make a long story short, in the end, once I, from this thought on, I would, it will take me 12 years it was about six months and then all was done and it was four weeks from that point on where I decided I'm going to do this now I'm not going to wait 12 years and then it took six months to implement Wow but of course it didn't happen within a four I think I was training with you at that point for about four or five years right because those four or five years were releasing and transforming, you know, the belief systems that were keeping you stuck, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and then you were in a position to make manifest what you really wanted, right? And just, <laughs> I feel like I need to make a disclaimer here that uh, that was a, a very specific kind of training that Margaret was in, so it wasn't just working one-on-one -on -one with me on a particular issue. Uh, it was a it was a whole physical training um, with a you know uh, a particular curriculum. So we were working a curriculum, and part of the curriculum was releasing and transforming what obstructs our personal power, um, so that we had enough access to personal power or big crone energy, right, uh, to implement it in our lives in really powerful, meaningful, long-lasting ways. Margaret, I just, I love that you use the language of, you know, I don't love the position you were in, but knowing that you had to transform your whole life, that this process that you were in was a whole life evolution, transformation, development, so that you could live your life as you wanted to, right? And you're living your life now as you want to. It doesn't mean that, like, there's never any problems, but you still have access to your personal power in order to address those issues when they come up. Exactly. And they don't destroy us. Right. Life is life and always um, something always happens. And even even the job I love and the work I do, there will be um, days when I think like, oh, do I have to do that today? But then it's me that decides, yes, I'm going to do that today or maybe I do it later. But it's me making that decision. And that is vital. That is the power I have over my own life. I ended yeah. up in the life I didn't want because other people made choices for me at points in my life where I was not able 
to make my own choices, where I was not allowed to make my own choices. And I wasn't even aware of that at that time. And that led to more and more, well, when I was a kid, of course, and that led to more and more decisions that got me into the situation where I realized this is not good for me. Right. Well, our childhood conditioning and our cultural conditioning can just sort of set us on a track. And then we're on the track. And you make the next choice and the next choice and the next choice. But those choices are so deeply influenced by the overculture and our, the messaging that we got as kids, right? And so, you know, we could go on and on about how and what those messages are, but it happens to all of us. And I think that, you know, one of the things I specialize in is unraveling. I have a phrase, unravel, unwind, unstitch, unbind, those messages that we internalize so deeply about who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to have, what we're supposed to want. And so we just sort of jump in that river and suddenly we find ourselves in the middle of our lives and we're like, I hate this. <laughs> you know? And it's really, really important to make the distinction between I'm uncomfortable where I see myself now and I hate myself. And I, there are so many people that I work with that come and they say, I'm just broken or I'm, I don't know how to get well. I don't know how to be happy. I don't know how to be comfortable in my own skin. And they think that they're broken. Right, and it's like, oh, you're not broken. You just got bad programming. Let's yeah. un let's let's clear clear the programming so that you can access who you really, 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 really are. Right, and that is what that changes the whole life. That changes the trajectory of a life. Yeah. So I remember Margaret being on a call with you, and you had sort of come to. Like, I think this is what I want to do. And I asked you, what would that look like? What would that feel like? How would you spend your days? And we, we really, really went into sort of what now we would call the somatic experience, right? Like, what does it feel like? Where are you standing? What does your body feel like? How are you breathing? And the imagery we were working with was you being in your yard, right, your beautiful sunny courtyard um, surrounded by flowers, dyeing yarn. And so Alta Constant was born. Yeah. And the it was a process. It was really a long development. I didn't start out with saying, this is what I want to do and let's see how I, can, how I or I can or how we can transform my life to reach that point. It was completely different. The end, the goal was not defined from the start on. How my life would look like developed along the way as I slowly uncovered what is really me mm -hmm. and what I like and what I enjoy and what my skills are that did not come from outside of me but from inside of myself. And that is a highly individual process. 
and I th and it will be different for the result will be different for e everybody but then it's their own and it's Absolutely. not becoming, becoming a copy of somebody else Absolutely. And it, you know, that right there is why I don't call myself a life coach. <laughs> um, and sorry to all the life coaches out there. I may be talking out the side of my mouth or talking out my ass. Um, but my, my understanding of life coaching is, is that there's really like a formula, right? There's a, a formulaic way of moving people from point A to point B to point C. And there's a timeline, and that's just not the way I work. I think the way I work is is very organic, very intuitive, and very individualized. Right? It's going to look different for everybody because we're we're unpacking your stuff, and we're talking about your dreams and what motivates you, and how to get you to the place that you want to be. And that's priestess work. That's 30 years of mentoring and teaching and priestessing for and with individuals, right? So it's a very different process than where, you know, what is your goal? How are we going to get you there? Here's a plan. Because you may get halfway through the steps to attaining that goal and, and realize, like, this isn't the goal either, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, that happens. And for some people, the goal is I need to pay attention to my physical body. For some people, the goal is I, I want to start my own business. For some people, the goal is I just don't want to feel like I feel. You know, I don't want to talk to myself the way that I do that's so mean and degrading. Um, all of these ways of working with people. It's really about if we pull one thread <laughs> of that bad programming and the rest of the programming starts to fall apart, just like if you pull a thread in, in, um, in something that you're knitting, then you've got this pile of yarn. <laughs> and you need to figure out what am I going to make with this? What am I going to make with the rest of my life? Mary Oliver says, you know, you have this, this one gorgeous opportunity you know to live what do you want to do with that right do you want to chain yourself to a desk do you want to work in the garden do you want to raise children do you want to travel um, but you know if you're going to make those kinds of joyful choices it means that usually it means that we've got to release some things that are keeping us stuck right um, and we have to make a lifelong commitment to ourselves. Yeah. So tell me about, tell us about Alta Kunste and what it is that you're doing and how your business has grown over the years. I understand, I think that you recently told me that you're one of, if not the most, sought after hand-dyed natural fiber yarn in Europe, yes? <laughs> That's what happened, yes. So Alte Künste is German for, translates into English as ancient arts. Yes. And I dye yarn for knitting, crocheting, weaving, for all nice handcrafts with botanical and natural dyes. And these, these dyes create a very specific color palette that is very unique. It is not pale and it's not all pastels. 
it can be very bright and vibrant. Yeah. And it's um, I call it um, ancient arts because it's the oldest way we colored our lives as human beings from the dawn of mankind, of humanity. Mm. Mm -hmm. And when we look at um, TV shows, it's often the dark ages and everything is brown and gray and a bit of muddy greenish probably. And that's just, it, that's ex not that's TV, but right. that's not how it was. Our ancestors did not have TV, net, did not have um, streaming services, no <laughs> internet. The only visual input they had was were their surroundings. Right, the natural the world. They saw yeah. in nature, and they tried to recreate them, and they were bright colors. You just travel to Malta and Greece, and there are reconstructions working on these wonderful white marble statues, and with microscopic um, sciences, they found out that originally those statues were brightly colored, so brightly yeah. colored that to our modern eyes, we would think they looked horrible because the colors were so bright and not the nice white marble that we got used to over the last few centuries. Right, right. And I'm trying to recreate these bright colors that come from nature onto yarn. And what I love about it is that I can only work with the plant to create a color. I can never work against it. This just doesn't work. The plant right. will do what the plant wants to do. And I can go along with the flow of the plant and figure out probably why it's doing certain things that I wasn't expecting. But it's this flow that's going with the plant to create a color that I enjoy. And I hope that translates into the yarn that other people take to make their own projects that they enjoy with it. Mm-hmm. And you're making a colorway for the crone herself, right? So your yarn will be available on the crone's marketplace? Yes, we talked about that. And I love the idea. I'm very honored that you asked me if this would be a, something I would like to do. I'm very excited to offer a specific the crone herself colorway on a nice yarn mm -hmm. for knitting and crocheting or whatever your fiber craft is that you want to do. As I'm located in, in Germany, it will be shipped from here. So um, just jumping ahead of time before it's available. It will take time to deliver to you because we're shipping across half the world. Yeah. And I'm looking into ways to keep the postage um, to a minimum that is possible to make it safe to ship. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and you do ship yarn all over the world. Right, so people yes. can go to your website um, and see your colorways and uh, order your magnificent yarns um, directly from you. Do you have a, a website you want to share with people? Yes, um, my website is Alte Künste, so it's A L T E K U E N S T E dot E U, and 
I already ship worldwide. Just hit the translate button and you get it all in English. But you see the colors. That's what most impo what's most important. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, Margaret, ever since I've known you, you've been knitting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You always, you always had knitting in your hand whenever we saw each other. There was always something being made. And it was astounding to me that I would watch you, you know, start and finish a project, you know, in what seemed to me like a blink of an eye. Like, how did, how did, how are their socks? <laughs> Um, and you know, I've I've crocheted for most of my life. I can't really do it anymore because my wrists hurt me when I try to crochet. Um, but it was, you know, it was always something that I sort of picked up and I did it for a while, and then I would put it down. But but those knitting needles and yarn have always been in your hands, and you know, I, I guess I want to talk a little bit or have you talk a little bit about the art of knitting, right, and not work and weaving um, as magic, right, as um, how, we, how we can use that as spell work. Um, oh, Margaret also leads like knitting circles, right, online? You have yes. knitting groups? Yeah, I do. When, when the pandemic hit, um, well, coming from my old job, <laughs> um, yeah, so March, February, March 2020, the pandemic hit us, hit like all the the rest of the world, everybody. Yeah. I realized this is, yeah, this is the big thing and that we did, all had hoped when I was way back in my corporate job working on business plans for pandemics mm. point and everybody hoped that the big thing would just not happen in our lifetime right and I remember following the news thinking uh oh looks like we're not that lucky so by now I would say it could have been even worse but it was bad enough or is bad enough yeah. there are still people being very sick but the point is I, I realized the in-person knitting gatherings that were happening everywhere all the time in smaller or larger circles would not ha will ha would stop and people would be at home not knowing what to do right. so mid march i decided to set up an online we call it an online stitch and bitch a virtual knit night where mm. people could just dial in and we would sit together in front of our, of our computers, laptops, cell phones, and knit or crochet or weave together. And sometimes people were even cooking and just enjoying to have other like-minded people around they could chat with. And it's still going on. So the pandemic, not that much anymore, but people still meet. We do this twice a week. Well, it's in German as I started it here. Um, and we have an afternoon and an evening appointment and everybody who has time and wants to just enjoy online company with like-minded people joins in and I'm really I'm surprised it's still going on and I'm not surprised that it's still going on because people started to develop relationships with like with people who are there who also share the same hobby who share the same 
passion for yarn, no matter yeah. where they are located at. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I um last year made a decision to join um I'm just going to plug <laughs> for a minute. Um but it, but I'm going to talk about it because I'm passionate about it. You know, I've always been an entrepreneur, right? I've always had that streak in me of um you know, if you mention something that you like to do <laughs> while we're having dinner, I, I might create a business plan for you and and you might look at me like I, I didn't ask for that. I, I have no intention of doing that. Um, but it's just something that I naturally do. Like, how, how could you make that into a business? You know, not everybody thinks that way. I've had people say to me, uh, you don't have to make a business out of everything you like, right? And I'm like, ooh, I have to sit with that because I do have to. <laughs> But I joined a, a group, it's called Create the Rules Catalyst. I hate to just call it a virtual workspace because there's a lot more happening in that space than people working sort of side by side, body doubling, which is really important for all of us entrepreneurs who are working online and we're doing our own work to be in a space, even if it's a virtual space, which is much more convenient for me. I would never like get in my car and drive to a co-working space. My office is at home. So being in this space with other entrepreneurs, other people whose minds work like mine do, people who know more than me about how to operate a business, because uh, I've always just flown by the seat of my pants and, and hoped what are the systems that have to be in place and how do you use social media effectively and on and on. But, you know, there are times when I'm in that room and I'm not working. My laptop is on the on the counter and it's muted and I'm making dinner, right? <laughs> um, because I've developed relationships with these people and it's really nice to not be working alone. So I can see how, you know, your knitting circles are people form relationships. And 20, 30 years ago, we couldn't really imagine forming these kinds of relationships with people that we had never met face to face, skin to skin. And yet they're so necessary, especially as we are finding ourselves in this place of end stage capitalism. I don't think that we're at the end stage of it. But as we're trying to extract ourselves from these systems that exploit and extract our labor and our life force um, and create places where we can still earn an income but are not part of those large, oppressive, repressive, constraining systems. And we get to set our own schedule. You know, I love what you said, Margaret, about being able to say, I, I should be doing this today. And when the resistance comes up, right, like, oh, that is the last thing I want to do today, that we can say, okay, I'm going to go work in the garden, or I'm going to go for a walk, or I'm going to go see the waterfall that's three miles from my house that I've never seen, right? That's on my agenda later today. Um, or I'm going to do something else for my business, or I'm going to go visit a friend. And that we have the, the liberty to do that. And the only person that it upsets is us because tomorrow we still have to sit down and do the thing that needs to get done. 
but our weekend can be whenever we want as self-employed people. A friend, it's yesterday was the 4th of July in the States and it's a federal holiday and you know, people who work in for other people, right, they have the day off and it's usually a paid holiday. So a friend contacted me and said, oh, are you working today? And I was like, yeah, my boss doesn't provide paid holidays. <laughs> you know, um, and yes, I'm working today because if I don't work today, it means I have to work next weekend, right? Yeah. So those relationships that you're building through knitting, so your people are working on their own projects. Sometimes you're teaching knitting. Sometimes you provide um, patterns that everyone is working on. Is that true, or am I just making up a whole fairy tale in my head? <laughs> no, not making up a fairy tale. But we share a lot. We share what everybody's currently working on for those who want to share. Then we learn about what other the patterns other people are knitting or crocheting, so you learn about other designers you probably never heard of. Sometimes designers join in and um, they tell about their designs and then people show up saying, oh, I'm actually wearing one of your designs, which is really funny because it hadn't been planned ahead. It just happened organically. About patterns, then people have uh, questions about their patterns that they don't know how to do a certain stitch or how to read something in a pattern. And there's always somebody there who knows how to help out, or who knows somebody who can help out, or who right. has a link to a YouTube tutorial. And so this is organically developing and it's supportive. And then everybody enjoys it. And even people say, wow, I've never heard of that before. I didn't even know I didn't know that. Right. So it's encouraging. It's encouraging to try things out. We have people in the knit night who said, they had never knitted socks before unless they joined there and finally just from listening and watching other people do it felt secure enough to give it a try on their own knowing yeah. they would help when they get stuck and did yeah. finish their first pair of socks and realized it wasn't such a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. And it's, the knitting is, it is knitting as where all fiber arts, the very earliest fiber arts are um, weaving and sp spinning, they tap into something very deep in ourselves. They tap into our ancestral memory. Because from the dawn of time, people produced threads from fiber. Mm -hmm whenever their hands had nothing else to do because that was the only way you could have a piece of cloth to use for clothing. That was the only way to get a sail for a ship produced, right. to get a tablecloth, to get clothing, yeah. to get covers for your baby. A blanket to wrap your baby in. Yeah. Exactly. Everything had to be you needed a thread to later to produce all the other things from it, to produce textiles from it. So there was actually pressure on our ancestors to constantly spin a fiber to later on produce something from it. So mm -hmm. the hands could do that all the time. And it would be every waiting time would be spent spinning. People sitting together waiting for a baby to be delivered. 
Mm. People sitting next to the bed of a, of, of a sick relative or a sick friend. People sitting next to somebody dying, holding their hand, holding space for them. They would always be spinning mm. or later knitting and crocheting. I was once at a, it was a, had a, it had nothing to do with, with knitting or crocheting. It was just a gathering of friends and we were sitting in a large hall and I had brought a traveling spinning wheel with me and some two, three other women as well and we were sitting together spinning. And suddenly some guys came over and said, can we just sit there? This is so soothing when you do that all the time. Right. Ancestral memory. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's a connection that we make. When we do this nowadays, it's a connection that our body and our soul recalls that while we have a modern life with internet and cell phones and flying to the moon and probably other planets, we're still coming from that point and we can connect to all those who were before us through this seemingly small motion with our hands. And it does me. When you said I, I, will, I always had something to knit in my hands when we met, I have a, I have a button and a saying that is like, um, I knit so nobody has to die. Right. <laughs> and it does make me a much nicer person <laughs> when I knit. <laughs> uh-huh. Because the part of my brain that is occupied when, when I knit, the part of my brain that needs to concentrate on my hands and fingers and the thread and the needles, that is also the part that would fret about things when I'm not knitting. Yes. It, yes. Some people call it the monkey brain. The monkey brain is occupied when I, do, when I knit and relaxes. And, and, it's so, and that's why I say it's soothing. Yes. Now, we also know that fiber arts, right, spinning, weaving, knitting, crocheting, um, because the monkey brain is occupied, we can drop into trance states. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We do. Yeah. We do. And so if we look at, you know, some of the art from the Middle Ages where they were painting images more ancient women there's always some yarn or weaving or spinning wheel in the space the oracles the the fortune tellers always had fiber arts depicted in the room because that that's a way of dropping right into the kind of consciousness subconsciousness where we can access wisdom Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we can use this when we produce something with our knitting. We can use this trance-like state to put the intentions of love and support into the garments that we produce. Yes. The support and the love for ourselves or for the recipients. For knitters, there's this phrasing where we call somebody is knitworthy. Knitworthy. It's like somebody that we're willing to spend all the hours of work for 
to produce something for a specific person who will well oh. you will they will get. That's lovely. Okay. What else? What else do we need to cover here? Well, if people have questions, they can send them to you. Or you could probably link my um, web page as well, then they can yeah. ask me directly. I'll link your web page and a space for commentary on the podcast. All of my podcasts are posted on my website, but those options will not be available wherever you get your podcast. So it's always worth to drop by at the Crone Herself web page. Yes. And I'm not sure when Margaret's yarn uh, colorway for the Crone Herself will be ready, but if you want to check out my shop, it's actually a different website. You certainly link to it through, so probably your best way of getting there is to go to thecroneherself.com and click on the shop. Um, and so as soon as Margaret's yarn is ready to start shipping, that will be depicted there. And I'm very busy right now curating beautiful items from people I love whose, whose products are outstanding for the Crone the Crohn's Marketplace, as well as more statuary from Malta is coming soon, and more jewelry from an amazing artist that I met in Malta is also going to be coming soon. So keep your eye there. You know, I only buy a few items at a time uh, because the store is just starting out. And if I'm posting about the Crohn's Marketplace and what's in there for sale, you should go get it. Margaret's Yarns will be something that she produces uh, when when an order comes in, or she'll make a little bit at a time. But those should always be available and will always be on the website. Margaret, we're about out of time for today. It's been so good to talk with you. Um, Margaret was my last stop on my temples tour this spring, early summer. I left Greece and I, I flew into Frankfurt and Margaret picked me up and I spent several days at her, her beautiful um, really old home in a tiny little hamlet in Germany and you know just sitting around talking good old friends uh, we've become such close friends from all of the intimate work that we did together for all of those years um, I'm so grateful and appreciative to count you among my friends and peers you're such a blessing have always been such a blessing in my life and um, I so appreciate you taking time to come on the Big Crone Energy podcast and talk with us about what you do. And I, I hope that it's clear to people how what Margaret does, this ancient art from the earliest times of humanity, connects with what I'm doing here in as the Crone herself, really trying to educate people about uh, who we were as humans before this modern time that we live in where everything is automated under capitalist and heteropatriarchal intersecting systems of, of oppression. I, I really want us to be able to reach back right to our early origins, uh, not because I want us to go live in caves again, but so that we have a, a, a sense of things weren't always like this. And, and the time we're living through is such a, you know, it, it's a flash in the long arc of time. But if we know our, our history and our history, we understand that there were, were times on the planet where we were not 
colonizing and um, pressing one another, then our, our imagination is sparked. How do we take the best of the time that we're in and the best of past times in humanity's history to make a future that doesn't look so dire? How can we, like Margaret did, how do you want it to be? How do you want it to be? How do you want to feel? So we do that in our own lives, but when we do that for ourselves, we can also do that for our descendants. So we need ancestral wisdom so that we can feed the future, so that we can feed our descendants because we are their ancestors. And I don't want my descendants to remember us and this time and say, and what was wrong with them that they didn't try to make it better, right? So we start with ourselves and we are the ripple. Let's be not only the wildest imaginings of our ancestors, but let's be the, the courageous, wild culture changers that our descendants look back upon and feed us well because we made a world worth living in for them. Oh, that was a whole thing I didn't even intend to say. That's what happened. wonderful. That was so beautiful. Thank you, Karina, and thank you for having me on your podcast. It was great talking to you, and yes, we had a wonderful time when you were heading back from your trip in yeah. Europe to the U.S., a much needed transition from being at the or you know the temple of delphi and the oracle of delphi <laughs> to um coming back home and having to do laundry right yeah <laughs> thank you so much margaret and thank you for listening to the big crone energy podcast i hope you enjoyed it and please remember take very good care of yourself <laughs>